Thanks for tuning in to the Change Church Podcast. We believe change is more than a church. It's a culture. And we are living out our purpose so that others can find theirs. We hope that this message encourages and inspires you. Now, here's Pastor Elijah Hollis. We've been in a series called Hello, My Name Is. We've been talking about identity because identity, there's a huge identity crisis in America. In fact, there's an identity crisis all across, you know, all of the nations and countries. But I believe that it's huge that we know who we are as human beings and who we are in Jesus. But first, we got to start out with knowing our name. And we've been talking about that. How do you identify yourself? If you've ever seen those tags, you know, if you go to one of those events and they make you wear those awkward tags, it's like, hello, my name is, and you fill in the blank, Elijah, you know? I feel so awkward whenever I have one of those on. I don't know why. I'm just like, hi, look at my name tag. Like, I don't even have to talk. It talks for me. Um, But you get those names and you write your name on it. But a lot of times our identity isn't even in our name, but our identity sometimes is in our struggle. And you might see this all throughout your life where day by day, experience by experience, You might have had some things happen in the past that now you identify more with your struggle than you do your true identity. And so you start introducing yourself with your struggle. Hello, my name is Struggle. And people don't know who you truly are. In fact, you don't know who you truly are. Because little by little, all throughout your life, you've identified yourself through these filters of things that have happened to you. To where you don't know who you are anymore. And today we celebrate Father's Day. But let's be real. A lot of people today, Father's Day kind of brings a bad taste in our mouth. We might have some bad memories. Or maybe you didn't grow up in a house where dad was present. Maybe it was an abusive situation. Maybe he just walked out. Like, I don't know what your experience is. But there are a lot that come to Father's Day and don't know if they have much to celebrate. It's huge. I was reading some statistics about a father being in the home. And I believe it's it's so huge, the presence of a father. But I want to I want to look at them because like 63% of youth suicides are from a fatherless home. That's actually five times the average. Eight or 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 85% of all children who show behavior disorders come from a fatherless home. 80% of rapists with anger problems come from a fatherless home. 71% of all high school dropouts, fatherless home. 85% of all youth in prison, fatherless home. In fact, 43% of all children today are without a father at home. It's a crisis. It's hit America hard. And there, there's this, it's not even just a father issue, it's a foundation issue. Because a father's presence, I mean, it's in all of the studies and all of the, the, the statistics is that a father's presence is crucial. It's crucial. So if you're here today, you're like, okay, what about us? What about the 43% that don't have a father? They never had someone to look up to. He just walked out. And even when he was here, 
He wasn't a role model. He wasn't someone I could look up to. He spoke death into my life. He was always a mess. Like, what about us? What about us? With no father. And I want to talk to us today. Billy Graham said, a good father is one of the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed, and yet one of the most valuable assets in society. Fathers are crucial. They're crucial. I remember when I graduated from high school, I had the choice to do whatever I wanted in the summer. So I was like, I want to go to Indonesia and be with Uncle Doug. My, my uncle was a missionary over there, and so he had a place, and I was like, Doug, can I come spend the month with you? And he was like, yeah, make it a month and a half. I'm like, dude, it's awesome. So I take it over to Bali, Indonesia, and I spend a month and a half with my uncle. Now I get there, and I love my uncle to death, but he has way too much trust in me because he's like, hey, I'm going to give you some money, hit the bus, and go explore in Indonesia. Well, here I am, graduated out of, barely graduated out of high school. And I hit the streets of Indonesia, don't know the language, and everybody doesn't speak English over there. In fact, nobody does. And so I'm kind of like lost and feel a little misplaced. And I remember um, coming back to my uncle and say, that was terrible. What a terrible idea. You sent me out there to die. I couldn't even buy food. Like I couldn't order anything. I was pointing to the chicken on the menu. It's terrible. Doug, bad idea. And he's like, all right, I'll hook you up. So he had this guy named Dika. Now, Dika was a godsend because Dika took me to the beach. He said, I'm going to teach you how to speak Indonesian. And he started going through lines. He said, this is how you say good morning. Salamat pagi. If you ever want to know how to say good morning in Indonesian, there it is. Salamat pagi. And so he would teach me that. And he'd say, okay, now go start a conversation with somebody. And I'm like, what? I just know how to say good morning. He's like, I know. Go start a conversation. I'm like, oh, my word. I, Doug, this was a bad idea, too. And so I'd go out to the beach, and I'll find someone random, and I'd be like, Salamat Pagi. And they'd be like, ah, Pagi. And I'm like, okay, bye. And I go back to Deke. I'm like, that was terrible. I started a conversation. Now they think I speak Indonesian, and now they're over there blabbing their mouth. I don't know what they're saying. And he's like, all right, we'll teach you another line. He said, you did a good job, though. I said, all right, thank you. He's like, all right, say this now. How are you? And then when they answer, tell them, good. That's awesome to hear. All right, so blah, blah, blah. So I'm going out there, and I'm like, all right, salama pagi. Ah, pagi. And I'm right before they start talking, I get in there, right, with my lines that I know. I'm like, how are you? You know? They're like, ah, da, 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 da. I'm like, bye. Go back to Dika. Dika's like, good job. You did it. And I'm like, are you seeing what I'm seeing? This is terrible. <laughs> I'm not connecting. There's no connection going on. But he taught me how to confidently introduce myself. He taught me how to confidently introduce myself. I don't know if you've ever felt misplaced and felt like the language you're speaking isn't translating properly. If you feel like the season you're in, you feel a little misplaced with the identity that's on you. And maybe God's calling you to something great, and he's actually showing you what to do, and he's pushing you to these situations, and all you can identify with is your struggle. Hello, my name is my past. And so you can't speak confidently. You can't even introduce yourself confidently because you don't know who you are. But it's so important that the Father teaches you how to speak properly, and how to introduce yourself properly. 
lot of times we'll identify with our struggle. And so if you've been abandoned, sometimes you can write on your name tag, hello, my name is unwanted. Because that's all you feel. And you might not say it with your mouth. You might not say it out loud. But through every sentence you say, through every word that comes out of your mouth, it's going through that filter. You don't feel wanted. Every person you come into a relationship with, you're always thinking, are they going to leave me? They can't desire me. I'm unwanted. Look at my badge. I'm unwanted. And maybe some of you have been through abuse, and it's very prevalent. In fact, one in four girls that go through high school will be sexually abused by the end of high school. That's a staggering statistic. That should make you sick to your stomach. That, that shows us that Jesus needs to be a part of our lives even more so than ever before. And so if you've been through abuse, if someone took something from you that wasn't theirs to take, and all of a sudden you write on your name badge, hello, my name is victim. Because every person that you come in contact with, you think it could, might just be another poisonous relationship. And it's not your fault. You did go through the struggle. The struggle was real. But now you identify with that struggle. And so it becomes who you are. Hello, my name is Victim. And you're probably going to hurt me too. And this job is probably not the best for me. There's probably something going on underneath that I don't see. Because I trusted that person. I trusted them. I love them. And they hurt me. Maybe you've been through a failure. In fact, it was like YouTube's finest failures of 2018, right? It's like, that's my life. And so all of a sudden now, you are, hello, my name is incapable. And everything you try at, you have in the back of your brain, I'm not capable of this. I'm probably going to fail. Because do you remember in 99? Do you remember back in the day? Do you remember when I tried that and I failed? Now I'm incapable. Hello, my name is incapable. You can try to give me stuff to do. And everything you do, you introduce yourself with incapability. And I don't know how you identify yourself today. Maybe you walked in and you're introducing yourself to everybody by your struggle. And people don't know who you truly are. In fact, you don't know who you truly are. And you've come to God to find out what he says about you. Because God shows up on the scene. Because he shows up, everything changes. But until he shows up, it's all going to be the same. You might have grown up fatherless. You might have grown up without that father figure. But because Jesus came and he loves you so much, now you have a heavenly father. In fact, he's the greatest dad you could ever have. Because every human being will always let you down because we're all flawed. If you look into a human to bring you satisfaction, if you look into a human to bring and fill that void in your life, you will always come up short because we're all flawed. You can't look to me to lead you. You can't look to your husband to lead you. I can't look to my wife for strength. I got to go to the father because he's the only one that can be everything that I need. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And you might have been neglected and cast out, but because Jesus is on the scene, now you're desired. Now Jesus desires you. 
fact, the Bible says that he loved the world so much that he sent his son. He loved it so much he had to let them know and see and feel and touch his love. He wanted to be with us. In 2 Corinthians, I want to read some scriptures of truth today. Because I think so many times we can believe a lie. And we can go through all of our life and identify with this struggle and, and come to this realization, oh, I'm incapable and I'm a failure and I'm never going to live up to what, I, what people have put on me and I, I'm a victim and, and I've been abandoned so I'm unwanted. And, and so many times we can live in that lie and forget what Jesus says about you. Can we talk about what Jesus has to say about you today? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Yes, the new has come. Come on, that's good news. Because some of you have been in a season of death. You've been in a season of, of doubt, a season of depression, and you don't even want to get out of bed. You're like, Lad, you don't understand. I don't even want to wake up in the morning. There's no reason for me to get up. And I want to say to you, when Christ is in the situation, he not only just comes into your life and makes things, things you know, good. He comes and restores what is broken. He takes that which is dead and he speaks new life into it and resurrects it. He's the God that not just died for the cause, he defeated death. He resurrected from the dead. He showed you don't have to fear anything because I overcame it all. He's the father of lights. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, it says, Before I formed you, before you were even a thought in the womb, I knew you. Before anybody said, will you marry me? I do. Put the ring, whatever, have a baby. Before that even was a thought, before you were even conjured up, I knew you. I saw you. And check out what he has to say. He said, before you were born, I set you apart. Isn't that great that God doesn't see the struggle? He sees us. He doesn't see what you've been in the past. He speaks into your future because before you were even a thought, he knew you and set you apart for greatness. Don't you love it that God is not a God of the mass? He's a God of the individual. And he doesn't speak to his church as a whole. He calls you by name. He sets you apart even in the womb of your mother. He sets you apart for greatness. Come on. And he's speaking your name. Do you hear him? He's speaking your name. Not the name you've placed on yourself, but he's speaking the name he called you even before you were born. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. And you can write these down. These are great scriptures to read and remind yourself of what Jesus has to say about you. I love this scripture. It says in verse 9, but you are a chosen race. Jesus chose you. Everybody say, I'm chosen. You weren't just in because you had a you know, a little VIP card, you come in because you sign up for a membership. God chose you out. You ever been picked on a team and you're, you're playing soccer or whatever and people, you got the captains. I hated this game, by the way, how they do this, but they have the captains and they're choosing people, you know. I was always the kid that was picked last because <laughs> I'm like this skinny, awkward, white, you know, they're like, they're like nah, like, we don't want him. <laughs> Let's leave him alone, um, you know. But, but I don't know if you've ever felt that where you've not been chosen, but let me tell you this, God hand picked you. And that's why you're here today, hearing this message, because he wanted you to hear, he chose you by name. Woo! 
feel like Michael Jackson, like spinning in the wind. God chose you by name. He chose you by name. He called you out and said, that's my girl. That's my boy. I need you. I want you. Before you were even born, I want to set you apart because you're going to do great things for me. You got to get your identity right so you can rise to the calling that God has placed on you. But you have to know who you are. It says you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy. Listen what he talks about you. A holy nation, a people of his own possession. In fact, this term that he uses, own possession, is prized possession. I don't know if as a kid you ever had a toy that you prized, it was your prize. But as a kid, I was super, like, anal about anybody touching my prized toys. And so when kids would come over to play, I would hide the prized toys. I know, I'm selfish, but I did it. Okay, and there's times even now where in my studio, I'll hide my prized possessions when people come up. I don't know what it is, but they're my prized stuff, and Jesus sets you apart. He says, no, 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 this is my, my own. These are my children. These are my sons and daughters. These are my great ones. I set them apart. They're my own possession. That's how much God loves you. That's how much he cares about you. That's what he says about you. You are his prized Possession. Woo! It's good. That you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, the crazy thing about Indonesia was even when I knew the language, even when I came up and I spoke to somebody and I I knew my one line and I was so proud of myself, even in that struggle, I didn't feel like I was going far. At all. I don't know if you've ever felt this in life where you feel like you're up against a wall and you're trying, but you keep getting back to the struggle. You, you try to live out what Jesus has called you to, but then you keep going back to the struggle. You're like, this is so hard. Let me remind you, Dika is over there and he's proud of you. I kept going back to Dika. Dika, that was terrible. He's like, no, you did so good. I was so proud of you. You, oh my word, you are doing amazing. And I would be like, confidence, but yeah, I am awesome. And I'd go back out and be like, all right, Solomon Poggy, you know? And like, then go back to Deacon, he'd be like, you were awesome. And some of you have been listening to the wrong voices. You've been listening to the voice inside your head that says, you are a failure. You're never going to do it. And you've been letting those voices rule you and identify you. And it's time you start looking to your father and say, Father, what do you say about me? And Jesus can look at you and say, I'm proud of you. You keep on doing what I called you to. You keep on obeying and stepping out in faith and doing exactly as I tell you. And when you do that, I'm proud of you, my son. I'm proud of you, my daughter. You are my chosen possession. But you got to start listening to the right voice. Stop listening to the voices inside your head. You heard that song by Eminem? He's got voices in his head. And maybe you do too. Maybe you got some voices that have been speaking over you. Maybe it's the voice of your father that left. Maybe it's the voice of that person that abused you. Maybe it's the voice of that struggle. And it speaks over you every day you get out of bed. That struggle speaks to you over and over and over again. You can't get it out of your head. And it's hard because it keeps identifying you. And you feel like it's actually become a part of you. It's more than a name badge now. It's who you are. 
time to go back to the Father and let him wrap his arms around you and say, I'm proud of you. I love you so much. You're the one I set apart. Even before the world knew you, I knew you. And I chose you by name. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. Actually, we're going to start. Yeah, 16 is good. What agreement is there between the temple of God and the idols? None, right? For we are the temple. And he's talking about putting things in front of God. But he says, this is what God has said. I will live with them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. And verse 17 starts off with the word what? Therefore. And whenever you read the word therefore, you got to ask, what's it there for? Because it's always there for a reason, right? And so he says this in the first part because the second part he says, ooh, it's a good promise. But you got to get the first part right. He doesn't, notice how he does not say, if your earthly father rocks, if you have a great upbringing, if you have no struggle, therefore, here's the good promise. No, no, no. He says, if I am your God and you are my people, if I am your father and you are my children, therefore, the good promise. He doesn't say anything about your struggle. He talks about your Savior. Sometimes you get too caught up in your struggle, and you need to turn your eyes to your Savior. Because it's, it's not what he's saving you from. It's what he's saving you to. God doesn't want to take you from your, your, uh, all your mess-ups and all your mess. To, he doesn't want to just take you from it. He wants to create a message to come into your future. He doesn't want to just take you from your past. He doesn't want to save you from your past. He wants to save you to your purpose. So many times we keep our eyes on the struggle, but he says, if I am your God, and if I walk among you, and if I am your father, and you are my children, he says, therefore, come out from them and be separate. He even goes, like the word separate there, he says, literally, mark off with boundaries. Put boundaries around yourself. And why can't I be like everybody else? Because God set you apart. He chose you out. And he says, separate yourself. Take off that name badge of struggle. I've set you apart for greatness. Be separate, he says. He says, touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. I love it because he says, separate yourself from the things that keep you bound. And sometimes we get in the mindset of thinking, oh, if I become a Christian and I follow God, I have to give up all this stuff. Let me tell you, it's not in the give up, it's in the gain. God has so much for you to gain, but you can't gain it if you're holding on to the things that you think you're giving up. You have to give the things up in order to gain what he has for you. And you know that everything in his hands is good. He has peace. He has patience. He has joy. He has strength. In fact, he has the peace of God for all of your storms of life. Now, the storms won't stop. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I've been serving God for years the storms haven't stopped. What changes is the endurance inside of me changes because God is in me. Therefore, I can make it through anything that comes my way. It doesn't change the boat from rocking. It changes the boat from sinking. I'm not sinking because God is keeping me afloat. And so I rest in him. 
the God of all. I rest in him. And he says, if I am your father, and if you turn from the things that make you sink, that make you struggle, then I will receive you. In fact, this word that he says, receive you, he literally says to receive into one's favor. Now, can you imagine if I were like, yo, I love you guys so much, Ashley, get out our checkbook and give everybody blank checks. And you guys write as much as you want. The world is your oyster, right? Like, Pay off the debt, pay off the cars, take your honey out for a dinner. It's all on me, like everything. This is what Jesus says to us. He says, hey, if you turn from that stuff that you think is so amazing, and, and we all know sin is great for a moment, but its pleasure is, is fleeting. It's super fleeting. He says, if you give up that stuff, if you turn away and set yourself apart, I have so much in my hands for you, and it's all good. He doesn't say, come on in and you can come to heaven then. He says, no, no, no. Everything I have is yours. It's a life of favor. I receive you into my favor. I don't just receive you in. Just come on in, find the bathroom, find whatever you want, you know those hosts that do that. Just find, do whatever you want, just make yourself at home. No, 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 he says, come on in. Let me show you all that I am, all my bountiful blessings. All that I have is yours because you're my child. Just because we're his kid. And I don't know what season you're in right now. Because I, I feel like sometimes we go through winter and we give up in the midst of winter. In fact, you know, Alaska has this time period where the sun doesn't shine for like hours upon hours, right? They have like 23-hour days or 23-hour nights with no sun. And they say it's the, the most depressing time, that the most suicides happen in that time period because people can't see the light. And I wonder how many of us live without seeing the light. And so we give up in the winter. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus doesn't just come into your life to leave you in the season you're in. He comes to restore the brokenness and to restore the life that's supposed to be in the next season of your life. He's speaking life into springtime. You've been in winter for long, but let me tell you this. It's springtime. It's 90 degrees outside. New life is here. And you know how you can tell when it's spring? There's signs that happen. All of a sudden, you start seeing potholes from winter. <laughs> you notice that? It's like all the salt on the roads and everything that's happened in the season of winter. So you've had some things that have happened in winter that have hurt, and they've been painful, and they've been struggle. Oh, my word, they've been struggle. And now in springtime, it's going to be so good because God is springing new life into you, and you're coming alive to it. But let me tell you, there's potholes from what happened, and you're going to have to dodge them. You can't go back there anymore. You aren't meant to live in the pothole. You are meant to live where he's called you to. And he's wanting to call you to greatness. He's wanting to call you his child. He's wanting to call you to the great things of him. But you have to turn from the things that make you struggle in order to come to the things that he saved you to. So today, I don't know if you stand in this place as a father or as someone who needs a father but can I talk to the men? And I want to give you a gift today. We have a Frisbee for you. And on the Frisbee, it just says made to soar. And I believe with all my heart that God doesn't, didn't create us just to survive through life. I believe that he's called us to soar. But sometimes the way to soar is to take the struggle and make it the resistance enough to get us above the ground and to fly. A lot of times we look at the struggle as bad. Or the process is a bad thing. 
But let me tell you, sometimes God uses the struggle, and the pro- God doesn't make the struggle happen, if that makes sense. But God uses the struggle. The Bible says that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him. And so no matter what you've been through, you might have been through abuse, but God's going to use that struggle as resistance to help you soar above the clouds, to get you above the things that are bringing you down. Because God wants to use that struggle, my friend, to help you soar. So I want to give you this gift, and I want it to be something that you intentionally use. Take your kids to the park. In fact, if, if some men in this room, if you don't have kids yet, find a young person. Take them to a park. Let me talk to you. And, and Ashley said this in first experience, but it's amazing that you don't have to be a father to be a father figure. I don't care how old you are. You could be a teenager, just getting out of high school, college. Whatever, you can be married, not have kids, but you can be a father figure. And that's what our world is screaming for, is father figures. is men to rise up to the occasion and say, God has blessed me, so I'm going to bless someone else. And live out in a way to say, watch me. Follow me. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. I'm not perfect, but follow me as I follow him. I'm going to follow Jesus. And so I want you to be intentional this Father's Day, would you? And maybe this week, find a time, go out with your kids throw the Frisbee, and spend quality time getting to know the amazing generation that's coming, the amazing future leaders that are speaking life into our future. Let us speak hope into them. Let us be the ones that are changing the course because one word out of your mouth could change the destiny of someone's course of their life. And it might just take one sentence, might take one conversation, but God wants to use you in such a mighty way. Hey, can I pray for you? I want to pray for the men in this place. If all the guys would stand to your feet, I want to pray for them. All you girls, once you gather around, I want to pray that God would help us as men to rise to the occasion and be a, a father figure in someone's life. I don't know who you have looking up to you, but if you look around and you notice, there's someone looking up to you. There's someone looking at you saying, wow, if I could just be like that. Wow, look at how he's doing it. Look how he's handling that situation. Look how he's doing that with his life. Look how he made those decisions to stay away from that and set himself apart. Like, like look at that. But man, I want to pray for strength for you and boldness to do what you need to do, to do what God's called you to do. So let's pray. Can we gather together and pray? Jesus, we thank you so much for your calling on our lives. We thank you so much that you've identified us as your children, and therefore we are We are loved, we are desired, we are saved by grace. We thank you for that, Jesus. I pray for my men right now in this place that you would strengthen them, help them to be great role models to those looking up to them. God, I pray that they would would pour out who you are on the next generation, that those that look up to them, those that are are, uh, the next generation of leaders, I pray that, that they would find ways to pour encouragement and life and speak hope into the future. We thank you, God, for the calling on their life, and we love you so much. Amen. At Change Church, we believe in doing life together. If you want to connect with us, you can visit us online at thisischange.org or any social media platform at thisischangephl. Thanks for joining us, and have an amazing week.